You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today is the second installment of our Emotions yes. podcast series. Uh-huh. We're just sprinkling these in throughout the year. Thought they would be kind of fun, interesting. According to you, Bonnie, there's 84 we can hit. So this is <laughs> I don't two. know about <laughs> We'll just do the main ones. The main ones. So we're talking about helping your child through emotions. And today we're talking about fear. And a lot of us, I think with younger kids have experienced them being afraid of stuff it's just common it is and I I mean as a young mom there were things I was afraid of like choking I had an inordinate fear of my children choking yes getting lost losing them somewhere right yeah for sure yeah Um, but I think in the U.S. in particular in our culture we as parents are somehow we get triggered by our child's big emotions and kids have a lot of big emotions Mm -hmm. they're just made up they're one big ball of emotions we can get caught up in this net of trying to what I call mood fix. So we're running around making sure everything is just right so our kid doesn't experience or feel anything unpleasant. Yeah, and is that really helpful, Bonnie? It's not helpful. (laughs) It stops the unpleasantness and the temper tantrum or the meltdown or the tears in the moment. But in the long run, it's really not helping our kids cope or be resilient. No, it's not. I mean... We've had several podcasts that have addressed the the fact that when your child faces an adversity and gets on the other side of it, they're better for it. They're stronger. And you as a married couple are better for it and happier for it. Right. So it's unpleasant. I hate to see my children suffer in any kind of way, including Mm -hmm. fear. But getting on the other side of it is actually a strengthening life experience. Yeah. I mean, but but there's ways you can get caught in that where it's not so strengthening, which is what we're going to talk about exactly today. So we're not talking about um, forcibly exposing your children to fear, to toughen them up, right? So I can't hide like behind the door and jump out. And well, I'm going to say we did that in our house, <laughs> which I'm feeling kind of bad about. But I grew up that way, and you know what you know. So my dad used to tease us all the time and jump out and scare us, and like I'm kind of jumpy now, and I'm, my kids probably are too, because. It was kind of funny, but it's probably not the healthiest. I'll just say that. <laughs> that is so funny. That, that explains a lot to me about you. It's probably not the healthiest. Oh, my goodness. As we say at the end, of, at the beginning of our um, podcast, you know, we've learned learned some lessons, made some mistakes. Okay, yes, that have. Maybe that was yes, one of them. Yes, we have. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard myself on the recent podcast say I publicly admit I listened to Megan Trainer with my child, I was like, what? I can't believe I even said that. <laughs> We've definitely made mistakes. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> you know what? It all comes out in the end. So like, of course, you're going to want to change your child's dirty diaper. Of course, you're going to feed them when they're hungry and soothe them when they're upset. But um, somehow along the way, this morphs into us being, reluct- us being reluctant or afraid to let them feel anything except happiness or contentment. So it's best for us and our kids if we recognize that emotions, even the unpleasant ones, are normal and necessary. We talked about this in regard to anger. Mm-hmm. Anger is not a bad emotion. There are no bad emotions. It just happens. It's normal and necessary. It's kind of the light on the dashboard. So instead of making sure that they never occur, 
we can teach our kids and ourselves, by the way, kind of how to observe them, um, unpeel that onion and find out what's underneath and get through them. Yes. And not surprisingly, scripture is filled with references to fear. Fear not, or some version of that, is written 365 times in the Bible, you found, Bonnie. Right, and the interesting one for every day. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So let's just take a moment and acknowledge that we don't make the best decisions from a place of fear. So one of my examples of this was Abraham was afraid of the king and convinced Sarah to say she was his sister. Not once, but twice. Mm -hmm. And... It wasn't just that he asked her to lie. Like, the king took her as his wife. Yeah, ew. Abraham, like, patriarch of the faith, this amazing man in Israel, did some things out of fear that really caused harm to him and his wife and and yeah. the pharaoh. I mean, God, like, shut the wombs of all his wives. And he's like, what's up? What's up? Can't I get anybody <laughs> pregnant? Yeah, what? And God's like, you know what? <laughs> You're under a curse. <laughs> Return that woman. So, and then the Israelites, they listened to the 10 spies who were afraid to enter the promised land and they got a 40 year time out from God. And then Solomon, he was afraid of the countries that surrounded them and he collected horses and chariots, the very thing God had forbidden, which speaks to what we do when we're afraid, right? We do, we act in ways that we know right. are not right. And then after the death of Moses, the Lord spoke to Joshua and he tells Joshua three times as they're about to enter the promised land. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yeah. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 56, three. I love that. That's a song. That was a children's song that the kids and I used to listen to. That's an easy little one to remember. Mm -hmm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even if you don't know anything about the Bible, you've probably heard that one. Yeah. And that's one I like to pray for friends who are going through end of life situations with their mm. families. It's just like, I pray that for them because we're promised like God will comfort us in our fear. Right. Some things really are scary and big and awful. Mm -hmm. And I want God to be there with them. And then Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yeah. And then first John four eighteen, which I thought was super interesting, which we've all heard perfect love casts out fear. And Generally, when you say what's the opposite of fear, people say, well, courage, bravery. But I think it might be love. Mm. Love is the opposite of fear. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of when, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, the rod and the staff of God bring comfort. That's, that's directing your mind on that love that God's got you. This is a passage. You're, you're walking through a valley, which assumes there's going to be an, an opposite side to that. Mm. And so your focus, instead of being on the darkness, on the difficulty, on the scary stuff, if it's on God, yeah, his, his love that can carry you through. Yeah, that would be it's like, great so, encouragement. Yeah, which is a perfect application to parents and kids, I think. Mm -hmm. How do we help our kids not be fearful? We love them. We love them. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's really true. Like I noticed that in my own life. I've said it so many times on this podcast that my the extravagant love of my parents toward me made me brave in lots of ways. Sometimes inordinately brave. Mm. More than my maybe my skill set. Yes. Um, would show and it's just that yeah, I knew they had my back. I knew mm. that even if I failed, I'd still be loved. And right. so there was not a fear in trying something that was hard. Exactly. Which is, I love that. 
and it's it's scriptural it's kind of you know scripture sort of tells reality how it is yes so um it's easy for us i think a lot of times except maybe when they're teenagers to love our kids <laughs> right right I some mean, moments we don't love them so much, or we love them but we don't like them yes, always you know yes that's right um, but we can always love them through fear that's right so and just one more um note about parental fear joshua straub made an observation about parental fear in an article at focus on the family that i thought was helpful to note before we begin talking about our kids fears he said this i've discovered in parenting fear is the enemy of margin Margin is important because it is the time we allow ourselves for unexpected challenges, conversations, and time together as a family. The more I allow my fears to guide my parenting, the more I'll fill the margin with things to combat my anxieties. That in turn makes me less emotionally safe for my child because being emotionally present requires margin. When every minute is filled, I can't pause to have a meaningful conversation with my child or seize a teachable moment. So... I think he was writing this in um, reflecting on why he was putting his kids in so many activities. Mm. And it was um, partly like feeling as a fa- like a failure when he was a child that he didn't maybe succeed in a sport or not wanting to um, not allow them to have access to particular things that he thought may help them be well-rounded or something. He was afraid that if he didn't give them access to particular opportunities, he would harm them in some way in way. Which, I mean, every fear, like, that's a, that's a valid concern. But when right. you blow it out, yes, it, you end up with, like, in his case, no margin. Right. And you're parenting from that place. Yes. Then you're putting all your stuff on your children, yeah. which they don't, they can't bear. They don't deserve it. <laughs> they don't need it. Don't do it. <laughs> They're going to have their own stuff anyway. Don't add yours to it. Yeah. So look at what you're really afraid of. It really is worth it. Like, deeply, deeply afraid of Um and you know that you're reacting out of it. And, and typically, if you're reacting um, snap reactions or um, emotions that are kind of out of proportion, that's kind of your little red flag to say something else is going on here. Figure out what that is. So you are not parenting from that place. That's so true. I mean, we do put it on our children. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like my dad told me he was traumatized as a child by being taken to a funeral of a family member. I don't even know who. Hmm. And it, it like freaked him out. I guess they didn't talk him through it or whatever. And he just saw this dead person there. And he's like, I'm never doing that to my kids again. And so I did not go to a funeral. I mean, yeah. not a single funeral until my grandmother died. I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. In which point when I stood at the aisle to walk down to be seated with the family, I sobbed. Like I was up there with the Jewish women with the wailing and the sobbing. I mean, because it was not just that I'd lost her. She was, who was my best friend. It was this fear of a funeral. Yeah. I did not want to go. That must be a bad thing because I've never been able to go to that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it does happen. And sorry, dad, throw you under the bus there, but no, I think we all do that. Like if you, you know, if you have, uh, if you're not a strong swimmer, you had a near drowning accident or something when you were young, then you you either overreact to that and you, my kids are never going near the water at all, you know, or you're they're on the swim team. Right. <laughs> you know, right, either and way. they're going to be awesome at it. But it's mm-hmm. all because of your issue with the water. Mm-hmm. You're not really looking at it objectively. Yeah. So it's it's assessing what you're really afraid of, what's going on in your heart and your mind. That's helpful. So just yet another way in parenting why you become a better person at the other side of it. Yeah. (laughs) 
darn it. Okay. <laughs> so let's look at some common fears by age. It's, I think it's interesting that we're born with this as newborns. We come out with this startle reflex, um, like part of the standard factory model, right? You know, when, when you kind of go to set them down in their crib and their arms fling out and they have this ah, response, they fling out real wide and then they come back in. It's a response to a loud noise or falling, sometimes crying. Oh, I always felt so bad when I did that. Uh, yeah, I did. me too. But you're right. It was just like this natural innate kind of instinctual it's built in. Reaction. I'm not sure how that's going to save them from anything. But <laughs> it, anyway, it's in there. There's some genetics involved. Some kids are more sensitive. Some kids are more emotional. Um, if one or both of the parents are anxious, just by nature, that's contagious. If you're overprotective, that's going to bleed onto your children. Yes. I think. Yes. So... And we're talking about common fears here, not the truly fearful situations that some children face horribly, like abuse or war zones or violence of right. some sort. You know, that's that is something to be extremely afraid of. Of course, and that's to, actual trauma. Yeah, that, to escape. But yes. yeah, we're talking just about the normal anxieties that you have that you might carry mm-hmm. into your into your family life. All so, right, so, zero to two, Bonnie. Then what happens? Yeah, so then um, loud noises, things that might overload their senses because little babies are, (laughs) their neurons are so busy and they're working all the time and it's like um, a fire hose of information and sensory input at all times. So anything that overloads those senses like the vacuum cleaner, the blender, a hairdryer, ah, might cause a startle or a cry. Yeah, Um, I I vacuumed the entire house with them on my hip for months <laughs> and months and months in this age range she was terrified of the vacuum so i just put her on one hip and they vacuum in the other hand and off we went there you go see mom's with me it's yep. not so bad not but so you bad. didn't ever not vacuum nope you did it anyway I did it anyway right that's a that's a good lesson <laughs> like for- we would muffle you know like the sound of the coffee grinder or the or take her in the other room you could still hear the blender mm-hmm. but but yeah we didn't just stick her right in front of the blender and be like, suck it up. You got <laughs> to right. learn. It's just a blender. No, we, we, we did try to be kind about it, but we didn't stop our lives. Yes. Right. Well, I guess we're just going to toss the blender. Right. You know, yeah, no, no more, more smoothies. smoothies. <laughs> Don't right. do that. Right. Don't do that. Oh, and then, oh my goodness, this is the talk about being triggered. Separation around nine to 10 months. They learn that things disappear but still exist. So when you leave, you're somewhere, but not where they can see you. Yes. And they start to grapple with where you are and when you'll return. And oh my goodness, my two were such criers mm. when I when I left them with anyone. Yes. Except my mother. Yes. It familiar. They only get like three or four familiar faces, like familiar, safe people at that age, zero to two. So yeah, it's really, really hard. And that's when you like, you're desperately wanting a babysitter. You're desperately wanting some time away, but the more that's why the more you can introduce people to them um the better it is the happier you are yeah because you can leave them yes yes and then stranger awareness peaks at this age too six to eight months in that age range and so um people outside their chosen few like you're talking about bonnie like just need to go slow like that you don't have to like go get them right up in their faces and scoop them up and and all that and that's exactly when everybody wants to do that oh the baby (laughs) let me hold the baby and the baby's like i don't think so who are you (laughs) they like their personal space some more than others yes some are more fearful than others you've got stranger anxiety you've got separation anxiety 
and your kid may not like being apart from you and they might not like like who you're leaving them with how many times did the child care worker at the ymca come get me and be like okay we've let him scream for 20 minutes you're gonna have to come get him it was a real thing yeah it's tough it can be tough but persist because that's just a developmental phase it doesn't mean that you should never ever leave them no they got past it right Thank God for those child care workers at the uh, nursery at church who just so generously said, you know what, we'll walk them when you if you're done with them crying, come get them. But we will walk them and try to soothe them and show them that this is not terrible. Right. You can stay here. And so, oh, it was hard. It's hard on them. (laughs) It's It's hard hard on on mom. Yeah. To leave and think, oh. I can't leave you daycares that first time you leave them at daycares or something is really really hard Uh, so uh things to help this that's why we play peekaboo because you're showing them here I am and now I'm not here oh look here I am again like Mm -hmm. that's a consistent thing that you can count on I'm gonna come back I'm gonna come back so I can leave you so practice leaving for short periods and like we said start with people that they're familiar with yeah even just an hour 30 minutes Mm -hmm. you know just go in the other room other room yeah Yeah. not like even leave your house yeah go upstairs and be away for a minute Mm -hmm. and it's okay um and then make the return a happy thing yeah oh i'm so excited to see you yay and always say goodbye don't try to sneak away when they're distracted like that hurts your that hurts their trust yeah they're looking around like where's mom it's kind of more shocking and more disturbing it's super tempting to do it It i'll be honest i know (laughs) i've done that because i think if they won't notice they're distracted now's a good time to just Mm -hmm. sort of sneak out but eh, i'm not always sure that's a good thing like you said with the trust yeah i like what you um call it you call it the kiss and go the kiss and go routine quick kiss bye bye love you i'll be back yep you're gonna have so much fun and then out the door you go so, all right, that's ages zero to two. Now, preschool age. There's other things they're afraid of. Lightning, yep. loud noises still, going to the doctor, getting shots. I know mine, like, yeah, we tried to get pictures with Santa. Yes. Emma, Emma was afraid of Santa. <laughs> we, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to go to a circus. This is so fun. She screamed at the cr- clowns. She hated the clowns. Yes. And from like a young age one age one or two she was afraid of birds birds are scary they we'd be swinging be like on the swing set at my parents house and she would duck when they would fly <laughs> overhead like she felt like they were dive bombing her or something that's funny we have a terrible picture of ben with the easter bunny it's like <laughs> epic tears it's horrible he's horrified of it but some of those Easter bunny costumes are really bad. They're terrifying. They look like angry bunnies. Scary, right. like horror movie bunnies. Yeah, so put yourself in your small, vulnerable <laughs> child's position. And here you are having a nice day at the mall. And all of a sudden, here you go, kid. Here go over here go. to this giant Stephen King bunny. <laughs> Hold my child. Exactly. <laughs> and smile for the camera. Yeah, that, oh, no. that doesn't always go so well. So Halloween costumes. This is you know preschool age three to four is when we're starting to do maybe go out for halloween dress up and there's some scary ones at halloween and um anything that feeds their growing imagination at this point yeah can be really fearful their imaginations are very very good at this age yeah so you do need to be careful so i remember like putting houston in a costume and showing him himself in the mirror and he instantly started crying (laughs) like it scared him (laughs) 
so so yeah they they can go from like i'm not just dressed up in this i am this or that image is out to get me right um that kind of thing i've seen stuff on uh the instagram reels or tiktok lately it's kind of a trend um where parents are in the picture with their child and they do the filter where it changes their face into a unicorn or some other horse or whatever and the child is terrified of that because they're they're watching their dad change into this weird horse thing they don't know it's not real or they pretend to eat their child's ear or eat their child's um arm and it's got crunching sounds in it and the child's like ah no no. yeah it's kind of humorous but also kind of terrible at the same time it is terrible because you think it's funny but your child is is kind of traumatized by that that's not one okay one time if you didn't know it was going to happen, that would that might be funny. But like, don't do it again. Right. Just for the likes. Yeah, just for the likes. That's just for not, the TikTok thing. Yeah, that's not love. <laughs> the place of fear. This makes me think about the things I let my children watch when they were this age. So we they started watching like a 30-minute video so I could mm-hmm. get some stuff done. And some things were too scary. Yes, for this so age. So I remember sure. at preschool, Emma, they they watched, um, I think maybe it was Snow White. Well, that's that oh. really scary. Yeah, the witches. I mean, and yeah. First of all, I got woods. mad because I'm like, I'm paying for childcare and she's watching a movie. I could do that for free <laughs> at my own house. Secondly, I got upset because, yeah, her her imagination was way too vivid mm. to watch that and not be scared. So just be, take, take an account of what you're allowing your children to watch. If they're having trouble taking a nap or going down at night or if they're afraid of the dark. Because, yeah, it could be what they're watching on screens that's really contributing to this. Which makes, that's a real different um, medium than a book. Yes. Books can also be scary. I don't know a lot of scary children's books, but they can be. But to see it in animation played out um, is very different for a child that age to distinguish between real and not real. That's a really good point, because I'm remembering now that you say that, that Houston loved for us to read Greek myths. That was part of our school curriculum really early on. Mm -hmm. They have them in like really early elementary form. And um, it was like his favorite book. And think about Greek myths. Yeah, there are a lot of wars and (laughs) scary stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, there's attacking and scary gods and goddesses and people are getting hurt or changed into things. And that was not a problem. That was not a problem for Mm -hmm. him to read it in book form you're right but then to see it would yeah. be something totally different yeah so you're gonna get that might morph into like monsters under the bed or um some i don't know where they get this stuff burglars are gonna break in did you have that yeah. somebody's gonna yeah. break in and i think it's just even having the news on in the background which good grief every night <laughs> the five o'clock news is nothing but bad news generally so you it's in your background it's just background noise for you but your child is tuning in on uh oh there's been you know somebody got shot with a gun or somebody broke into this place and that could happen here so like you said just be careful what's on in your house especially for little ones absolutely so you had this um angel wings thing bonnie what was that yeah (laughs) we have this um when my kiddos were little, and especially with my daughter, for some reason, she would get a little nervous at night, going to bed, that's getting dark. Um, it's kind of when their minds become active and they start thinking about things right before bed. So we would always do a prayer and we had a big white blanket. And I said, look, God's here with you always. Um, we would do a prayer and I would lay her in the middle of this blanket. This is probably, 
yeah, three, four, something like that. And these are the the wings of the angel, and they're they're going to take care of you. And I kind of wrap her up, not like a swaddle, but just you know, one side of the blanket, then the other side of the blanket. The angel wings are around you. God's got his angels watching over you, and that seemed to kind of do the trick. Oh, that that's a great idea. It's kind of this. Oh, and you can feel it. It's something you can feel. Mm-hmm. And and it's true. It's from scripture. Jesus Jesus says that he'll guard, uh, send his angels to right um, watch watch while you're sleeping mm-hmm. and all of the things. Yeah. So yeah. She, and we had this um, attic space upstairs. Even into middle school, she referred to that place as the scary evil. <laughs> scary evil. <laughs> because, you know, the heater would come on and there'd be thumping noises or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she called the door. This, that's the scary evil. We don't go over there. She would tell her friends. Oh, that's funny. So, oh, goodness. Or like, that's like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone when he realizes the furnace yes. is not a monster. Yes. Like in the basement there. Yeah. It's yes. not a monster, Savannah. I'm not sure she ever got over the scary <laughs> evil. She still doesn't sleep in that room to this day. She's 25. But um, anyway, so if they can um, get over these kind of fears or um, maybe not react so strongly to them, sticker charts and things like that work well for this age. Just like when you're potty training. So mm-hmm. if you were brave or if you were courageous or if you went to bed, you know, and and we didn't have to leave all the lights on that night, then they could get a sticker the next day. Like, yeah. Just like everything in parenting, you know, you're pointing out what you want. Yes. Point out what you're looking for. Celebrate it. Highlight it. Speak it aloud to your children. Connect mm-hmm. those dots for them. Right. And it's really, really helpful and more pleasant. Exactly. Much more pleasant. Exactly. So what uh, what happens at ages five to six? All right. So this is um, an age of separation. They are starting to see outside of themselves in their own little worlds and realizing bad things can happen to the people they love. Mm. So um, ghosts, monsters are common during this age. Things that could happen, like getting sick or getting lost or parents being separated or hurt. And bad dreams can feel real and peak at this age. Yeah. A lot of parents deal with night terrors. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have any of that? We yeah, did Yeah, just not. very briefly. Like, well, they're remember. like actually dreaming, but it looks like they're awake. Yeah. It's really scary yeah. as a parent to witness. Well, I think, I mean, I guess it was a night terror. I mean, Houston slept, walked. Uh, and we, we found traces of him. He made his way to the bathroom and there was a Q-tip trail <laughs> all the way back to his room. Like there was hundreds of Q-tips. And I was like, what was he what doing? Was going on I don't with that? know what he was doing. But um, And then at this age, or maybe it was in the three to four-year-old range, there was the screaming terror where you couldn't wake them up. Yeah. You know, they, they, it was like, yeah, are they asleep? Are they awake? I really can't tell. Right. But again, that's de- developmental. Stuff is going on with their brains. Right. When we're sleeping, our brains are kind of trying to figure out all the things that happen during the day. So mm-hmm. some of those things for kiddos are weird. And they're just up at, that's when they're, you know, they appear at the side of the bed. <laughs> At 3 a.m. and you're like, ah, what's going on? (laughs) I had a bad dream. So you have to kind of talk them back down off the edge. Right, right. Let them, we would let them crawl into bed with us for a few minutes and then I'd walk them back and tuck them back into bed. So yeah, I mean, it's just another developmental stage. And then ages 7 to 11, we have additional things they can be afraid of. Yeah, because sometimes then um, maybe you've had a pet that's died since then, so if pets can die, then people can die. And that's kind of a scary concept. So they're getting more concrete understanding of the way the world works. Um, maybe they're in school or they're starting to have little friend groups. And so they can start getting rejected or left out by their peers. Um, they're becoming more increasingly dependent on those friendships. So that's hard. It's more of relationship fears, I think. Do I fit yeah. in? 
Am I okay? Yeah, and the more life you live, the more likely you're going to, um, even as a child, know someone who's lost a loved one or know yeah. someone whose loved one has been really severely injured, things that kind of stick with you. I remember at this age range, ages 7 to 11, somewhere in there, I learned that people can get divorced. Right. I was freaked out. Yeah. I felt like somebody punched me in the stomach. Wait, a mom and dad might not stay together Yeah, that's forever? a terrifying It's terrifying. Concept. That's the one thing your child wants mm-hmm. is for mom and dad to be okay, even yeah. though they can't articulate that always, even at that age. Right. So that's a big, a big, heavy concept that you're having to talk through. You're like, yes, death happens. It's sad, but it, but it's overcomable, mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. for a Christian worldview. It's overcomable. Um, things can happen, but it's not the end. Like there's right. always hope. There's right. always something to lean on. God is always there. Um. It's so it's a yes, it hurts you if friendships are breaking up or maybe if you're not included or not invited. Um, but our, we don't rest on that. Mm-hmm. Like we can have better. Maybe they weren't such a good friend and it's a great opportunity to talk to if you have margin mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. life and emotional capacity. It's a great opportunity to talk through those things. Yeah. Yeah. The friendships thing. That's so that's so sad and hard. That And that's much more common, I would think, of a of an experience than the really serious illness although with COVID the last couple of years I think probably everybody with yes. a child knows someone who's died from it or gotten really seriously yeah, ill I think from we've it. all had to have more of those conversations yeah. mm-hmm. so um yeah it's just good take the opportunity like you said to put some margin in your life and walk your children through it right um this is a this is an age where you start asking questions instead of just telling 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 and like you said in another episode on anger helping them identify the emotion behind the emotion right so the, the like what's behind the fear why are you feeling this way can you articulate it or helping them do that and it's okay to be afraid yes like i totally understand why you're afraid yes uh, we like the as a nation we're afraid for mm-hmm. <laughs> several years now of what we didn't understand and uncertainty and all of the things that came along with this pandemic um and it's okay to say to your child i feel afraid sometimes too we don't always know what's going on but together what can we do? What can we do? We can mm-hmm. pray. We can um, learn, get information that we need to get. We can do the things that we can do. And then we have to just trust and have faith. Right. I mean. Can't live that way. Kind of a side topic to this topic of fear is this um, notion of a zero risk world mm-hmm. that I think the Western world wants. We want zero risk. Sure. We want it. We want we don't want low risk. We want zero risk. Um, and that's not a thing. It's not a thing. And because we are so um, blessed and we can mitigate so many bad things happening by our wealth, by our access to education or doctors. Right. Um, we can mitigate a lot of really bad things happening. And you begin to believe the lie that you can live a risk-free life or that all risk is bad. Exactly. It's that's not a great bad. point. Mm-hmm. So that's what's underlying as we move into these um, older ages. That's what's underlying some of this, I think, problem in parents as well as children. What are you projecting onto your child? That the world needs to be risk-free? Mm-hmm. That you never need to take any chances? Right. That the worst thing in the world is to be vulnerable? Gosh, no. No. <laughs> that, that goes for friendships. Right. Loving people who might get sick mm-hmm. and die on you or friends who might turn their backs on you. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because 
as you said at the beginning, perfect love casts out fear. And you so cannot you, have a loving relationship without vulnerability. You, yeah. Without risk. You cannot. So you cannot. And that, that to me is like the whole human condition. That's the whole reason we're here is to have loving human relationships. Mm -hmm. So for goodness sake, don't insulate against that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus summed up all the law, love God and love others. Mm -hmm. He summed up all the law and the prophets in that. That's what we're here to do. Right. And that involves risk. Don't be afraid. I mean, look at Jesus. <laughs> involved a lot of risk. <laughs> yes. And a lot of pain. And yes, some fear. And some fear. For sure. I'm thinking the prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes. He was like, please, if there's any way, any yeah. other possible way, mm -hmm. let's do that. Yeah, right. And he he still, he had to face those fears. Right. It's inspiring. Um, so I, I think as you get into adolescence and, and young adults, the thing that helps them most is information. They're trying to, they're kind of in this stage where they are, um, you're more of an influencer and a coach than a um, authority figure in their life. So you need to kind of meet them where they are um kind of play through things uh role play help them through conversations help them through situations what are you going to do if ask lots of questions um oh yeah the, what are you going to do if just talking it out yeah and and having kind of an idea of moving forward moving through the fear yeah i i like to do this exercise of um like what's the worst thing that can happen because mm. in, not for every kid, but if you know your child, some children tend to spiral or catastrophize. And the fear of the thing is usually way worse than the thing itself. Mm -hmm. So, okay, say you go to this uh, meeting and you have to do this presentation in front of the class. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen? The odds are that's not going to be what goes down. So right. you're probably okay. Right. Oh, yeah. That's so good. Um, yeah, so those are the stages, baby to adolescence and even into adulthood, our fears. So let's just talk about what we can do to help them, including what you just said. Okay. Walking them through, like, what's the worst? I think that's a great question. I don't think I ever asked my kids that, that what, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. Missed it. Miss the boat. That's well, a great question. It is. It's, and usually they'll come up with all the, all these, and it gets silly. <laughs> it almost gets humorous after a while so you're like see yeah yeah so good it's probably gonna be all right so and um information is helpful so to your toddler you explain how they can't fit down the bathtub drain right your finger barely fits in the bathtub drain so you're not gonna fit down there yes um if your child is scared of something play is a great a great area to introduce it so it's non-conflict time it's not nighttime when it's scary it's during the day so they're in charge of whatever it is that's scary. So let's like make a monster, make a little monster and make it a pet. Mm. And we're going to play with the monster and give it a name during the day. Oh, okay. So the monster becomes this harmless little pet. Right. I was thinking like kill the monster. Oh, <laughs> no. Do you, well, I guess works. you could, but <laughs> I was thinking, is that what I really want to do? I think you want to make it a friend. <laughs> and then at night... You know, imagine your little monster can go tell all the little mon other monsters that are um, imaginary that we don't play in this room. We don't play in this room. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell my imagination is not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I went really Old Testament on that yeah, one. Yeah, death to all monsters. Slay the monsters. Yikes. The monsters mm -hmm. must be outside the city gate. <laughs> okay. So, and don't overreact. So... Again, this is what we talked about at the beginning. Acknowledge their fear, but don't rush to scoop them up. 
you know, don't, um, what you're doing when you do that, when you overreact, when you freak out, you're acknowledging the fact that, oh yeah, you're right to freak out. You're right to be scared. Yes. This is really, really bad. Right. So, um, this is tough when your kid slides down the slide and whoops, tumbles over at the end. The first thing, and if you'll notice, if you'll give it just a beat, you'll notice they'll glance at you. Yes. Before they take that first breath to cry, they're going to glance at you to see what your face looks like. So if you can have the poker face and this sort of unconcerned, like maybe an uh uh-oh, did you fall down kind of thing, rather than a horrified, oh my goodness, you're about to die. It's going to make all the difference in how they react. Yes. They're looking to you for the cue. So just chill for a minute. Yeah. Or like when the balloon pops and they get startled and they cry. You can just give it words. Oh, that when that balloon popped, it scared you, didn't it? Oh, that was too bad. Yeah. And then you just move on. It's just a noise. Yeah. Just a noise. And then like we talked about with the blender, don't avoid it. Don't avoid the scary thing. Um, that keeps feeding the fear. It sends that message that avoidance is the only way to feel safe. So it takes away that their chance to learn that they're able to cope. A little discomfort is okay. Yeah. Such a good quality to learn. Because we've talked about in other um, episodes how we tend to like um, self self soothe and avoid mm-hmm. like difficulty say like we we do this as adults we avoid sure by we numbing do. it mm-hmm. with shopping or netflix or alcohol or all the other things food yeah. um so yeah you don't want to avoid you want to move through and you want, don't want your kids to avoid you want them to move through right so if your kid is afraid you want to be gentle with them and kind of inoculate them to the fear so for example if they're afraid of pets go to the pet store Yes. Look at them through the glass. Right. Let's not go over to our neighbor's house with the big, loud, barking dog and force them to pet the dog. Right. But look, it is a safe area. Look at the pets. Aren't they cute? Yes. Aren't they sweet? Look at those. Those are so silly. So it's <laughs> it's a little like a <laughs> little at a time. Little little medicine goes down better. Yeah. Yeah. But don't, don't, yeah, don't overdo the reassurance, though. Right. They can do it. You can face it. I believe in you. It's kind of that. You hear my tone? Yes. You're good. You're good. I believe I, you can do it. Absolutely. No big deal. Um, know what they're watching on TV or reading about. Talk through the shows with them. They're watching you. If you are afraid of germs, if you're afraid of dogs or storms, well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> but on the flip side, if you can influence their fear, you can also influence their courage. Fear is built into us for a reason. It was yeah. a survival instinct. Yeah. So the little hairs that raise up on the back of your neck when you're walking down a dark street, like we need to pay attention to that. Yeah, it's not like we're saying, "Oh, no big deal. I'll be fine. It's all okay." Like, listen to it, see if it's worth listening to, and then go through. My kids tell me that I'm the queen of telling the worst, scariest stories about the what ifs could happen. <laughs> so, like when I when I'm trying to like instill a healthy amount of fear in them, they're like, "You always have some crazy story that happened to somebody that's like highly unlikely." Oh my goodness, this, I can't believe that happened. But what I was trying to do was just say, learn from them. You know, see what can happen. Right. So have an appropriate amount of caution in your life. But apparently maybe I did it too much. Right. Oh, hey, my kid was about to go study abroad right after the movie Taken came out. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, look, here's all the things you need to do. <laughs> We're going to go all Liam Neeson on everybody. And I've got serious skills and you do not want to. So yeah, it was... Uh, not the best timing so for sure our fears as parents are fed by stuff like that too yes 
Yes. So I didn't say don't stay home. I said go ahead and go abroad, but but we're gonna take this eighteen week self defense course, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a pocket knife and That's pepper right. spray. And <laughs> you better have your tracker on at all times. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. So don't. One thing you don't want to do is tease. Um, don't shame them or belittle oh. it. That's so silly. It's just a dog or it's just a storm. Don't be silly. Mm. Um, no, because fear is real. Like it feels. It feels bad. So don't. Just acknowledge that it's okay to feel it. But yeah. we're gonna move through it. Yeah, that that falls under to me um, the command that Paul says to fathers not to exasperate your children. I think a lot of dads yeah. get frustrated with their children's fears and and will belittle it. I think we as moms tend to go the other, the way. other way. You're right. But um, yeah, that's that's exasperating to have someone minimize like your real feelings. Mm-hmm. We were just on a little mini vacation, David and I, and he was really cold and I was really toasty warm. We were out walking the dog and, and he had said he was cold like three times. I'm like, good grief. Stop being so cold. It's ridiculous. It's Stop not that- being cold. <laughs> he's, like, like, you- he's like, do you know how many times in our marriage <laughs> you have been cold and I have been empathetic? So it's not exactly a fear, but it wasn't. <laughs> Bonnie can't talk. She's laughing what? so hard. You can't just stop being cold. <laughs> I just thought, this is ridiculous. If I'm not cold, you can't be cold. Because whenever I'm cold, you're hot. <laughs> but- oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't aware. <laughs> Let me just shut that cold round right now. He's so oh, lucky to be married to me. Yeah, I know all, <laughs> all the fathers out there are so sad they don't have a wife oh, like me. Wow. So, That's yeah. funny. So uh, this is a good time to talk about self-regulation. Right. The ability to process and manage our own emotions and behaviors in a healthy way. Unlike minimizing your husband's coldness <laughs> when you're out walking the dog. Mm-hmm. So building this takes some time and practice and space. So we have to be um, comfortable with others being uncomfortable. And I think that's what I was doing with David just then. It's like, I'm tired of you being uncomfortable. Be comfortable. Uh, and it, yeah. it was just pushing him to that where it's like, um, I'm actually cold. I need to either get out of the cold or have a da- another jacket. Like... Those are the answers. Right. <laughs> so again, it, it's it's just being emotionally aware to push through to the other side and not rush someone to the other side to, to regulate yourself as well as helping your child regulate themselves. Exactly. I've only in the past probably five years, I didn't do this with my kids growing up, but I've just sort of stumbled on it in the past five years, adopted an even if mentality instead of a what if outlook. Um, so we can stay if we're in this what if outlook then that's a fearful way of living oh no what if someone dies what if i don't get an a on this test what if my friend doesn't like me anymore all those things instead of a even if mentality which is you know what even if i don't get an a on this test it's going to be okay even if someone dies that's okay we're going to pass this so it'll be sad but we're going to get through it um it's a completely different mode of moving in the world and i think it's a really helpful tool to give our kids Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So David and I, I remember when he was kind of at a crossroads for his career, it was, I don't know, eight years ago or so, nine years ago. And he was looking at all these different jobs and we were having this really serious conversation out in the back deck. And, um, there was the job that would be like the safe job that was kind of in his wheelhouse. He knew he could do it. He'd be driving to Nashville every day, which would kind of be a bummer, but you know, it was kind of felt like a sure thing. And then there was the job where it was an industry he'd never worked in before. 
and he had to pass all these tests and if he didn't pass them he didn't have a job and we just built our dream house and then even if he did pass the test and get the job that was a huge pay cut and in initially so much so that we were gonna have to drastically change our lifestyle and we prayed about it of course and we talked through it but in the end the even if is what I came to mm-hmm. and I just looked him in the eye and I said listen even if we have to sell this house like I'm in what's the worst thing that can happen exactly. we have to sell this house okay we'll sell this house I don't want to be in the nursing home one day and go oh aren't you so glad we played it safe our <laughs> whole entire married life wasn't that fun to play yeah. it safe and do the really really safe thing right we took a calculated risk it wasn't jumping off a cliff it was a calculated risk but it was so empowering for the two of us to together go even if it costs us a lot we're going to do this together we're in it right and it's been such a huge blessing and we look back on that and go wow oh my goodness what if we hadn't done that yeah yeah that's a that's a, such a great example i think i've done it a lot i'm learning i'm currently learning to do that i'll be very honest and say it with my adult children because wow it is so hard as an empty nester to just let all that go mm. and let your kids go out into the world and be who they're gonna be and just step so far back and bite your tongue about things. Um, but I think I've come starting to try anyway to come to this even if. Instead of like, oh no, like what if you move to this place and you're not gonna like it? Oh no, what if you um, what if you don't take that test and get into that school and all the things that we worry about for their success and happiness or whatever, even if, you're, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I have faith in you. Mm-hmm. And again, I think they get the cues from us. So yes. I'm saying, you know what, you make that decision of the job or the marriage or the um, whatever it is. And even if it crashes and burns, you'll be fine. Yes. You'll learn something from it and you'll move on and it'll be great. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the great stories of of your life are not how everything went well. Nope. and, And you sailed along and everything went well. The great stories of your life are where you met adversity you conquered a fear and you've moved you through tried. it to the other side. You tried something new. You tried. Stepped out in faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, those are the stories we want to hear. Those are the inspiring stories. Exactly. So exactly. Good. So let's do more of that. Mm-hmm. Well, did you know that there's something called phobophobia? It's the fear of fear itself. No, I did not. Yes. So, and I've, <laughs> but I can see that. It's kind of what we've been talking about all along. When we fear risk or uncertainty or anxiety, our world shrinks. It really does. Like what we just said. It gets smaller and smaller. Yes. That possibility is off the table and that possibility is off the table and that possibility is off the table. Yep. Yeah. The Brownstone Institute had a great article entitled The High Costs of the Appearance of Safety. And it quoted sociologist Frank Ferretti's book, How Fear Works. And this is a great description of so much of our culture these days. Although risk is historically defined as exposure to the probability of loss, harm, or some kind of misfortune, though its current expanded usage has been reinterpreted as the possibility of such adversity, the shift in meaning from probability to possibility has led to a fundamental revision in the conceptualization of risk. Wow. So if it's possible to happen, if something bad could possibly happen, now we're averse to that. Right. Which is the discussion David and I were had, having. It was possible. Anything is possible. It was possible that we would have to sell our house. It was possible that I would have to go get a job. It mm-hmm. was possible that he wouldn't even make it and he would fail those tests. 
but it wasn't probable or we wouldn't have done it. Yeah, it's not reckless. Yeah, it wasn't reckless. Mm-hmm. So the the culture of zero risk or the safety culture that, where we virtue signal about how safe we are, mm-hmm. uh, it's not good. No, it limits us. It's, it shrinks our it shrinks our world. Yeah, it doesn't make us courageous. And Christ came to live abundantly. Or, or give us fortitude to face adversity. Mm. So um, the author of that article, Steve Templeton, goes on to say, in other words, the importance of the mere possibility that something bad might happen has replaced the consideration of the probability it might happen. Thus, if the probability of something bad happening is very low, it doesn't help to point that out because it's still possible (laughs) and you will be considered irresponsible if you do not display the socially acceptable behaviors that will, in other people's minds, mitigate the already low risk to zero, which in most cases is still not possible. Right. Zero risk is not a thing. No. It's just not. But people do this with their kids all the time. It's just more and more and more. I did it with my kids, Bonnie. Mm -hmm. So my parents let me ride my bike all over the neighborhood. The rule was don't talk to strangers. Be home by dark. Yeah. There was no way in the world I was letting my kids ride their bikes all over the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. I'd watched way too many crime shows where the person was taken, you know, America's Most Wanted Uh and all that stuff where people get abducted. I was not doing that. And, And so... Now we have parents, you know, after our, our generation, Bonnie, mm-hmm. they don't even let their kids play in the backyard by themselves. Right. It's irresponsible. Our world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. And our kids' world does too, which is a sad thing. Yeah. It's a sad thing, really. I think we need to open back up. I mean, my husband, he talks about in upstate New York, playing in the woods behind mm-hmm. his house. I'm like, were, were the trees marked? Were they taped? Like with different color tapes so you didn't get lost? No. Oh, no. Yeah, we would go he all over the place. the woods and had to find his way home. <laughs> yes, all over the place. <laughs> Can't even imagine. I don't know a single person, Pierre, who did that with their children. Mm-hmm. Who just let them run and play in, in the woods like that or ride their bicycles all over the neighborhood. I just... We did in our little farm area, but it was a contained, fenced-in farm area. I mean, like I couldn't always see them. They were not always in my vision. They were way back in the tree line building forts and things. Yeah. But that's okay. But at least I knew they were in some kind of area. That's a happy medium as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm happy with that. Like where you're okay. I've, you got five acres here. Yeah. Go romp and play and then come back to the house and don't wander off and all that. Right. And I mean, that's what kids do when they start to walk. They toddle a little bit away from us and then they come back to security and they're supposed to do that more and more and more. But if we're always having them right there to us, they can't ever go prove to themselves oh, I did that I'm capable yeah nothing bad happened oh, it's yeah. okay so I guess what we're saying here is like anxiety and fear related emotions they're uncomfortable but they're not dangerous yeah it's not always a threat I know a panic attack sometimes f- might feel like you're dying but it actually physically isn't dying so if you can see fear just like anger just like all of the emotions as a as a challenge as a signal then your world expands. It doesn't shrink. Then you can mm-hmm. say, oh, okay, well, here's a surprise. <laughs> I wasn't really ready for this. Um, even if even if something else happens, I think I'm going to step out and do that. And then then your world is bigger. Yeah. And you, you found the statistic a quarter of Americans will have anxiety disorder at some point? Yep. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's one in four. Oh, my goodness. So if we can work on this in concrete ways with our children, we're setting them up 
to not deal with an actual anxiety disorder in their Mm -hmm. lives. Right. We don't want to send that message to our kids that this world is dangerous and we are fragile. Yeah. And I know I said the words, be careful a lot. All the time. I know I said, be careful all the time. And we're here to tell you moms, like, just like hurry up doesn't communicate the specific speed you want to go. Be careful doesn't really tell them anything, but just be afraid. That's right. Have some anxiety about this. Yes. Uh, so let's just take that out of our language <laughs> at, at all. I, I love this. I found this, um, yeah, this point to be excellent. So you can substitute things instead. How about uh, take your time? Or are you aware of the edge or the corner or the shelf behind you? Yes. That's putting (laughs) them back in charge of it. Oh, let me look around and figure out what I can do about my environment. Yeah. Did you see or hear that? Or what's your next move if they're venturing out on the tippy top of the playground equipment? Yeah. What's your next move? Where are you going next? Instead of, oh, careful, be careful. Make them be aware of it. I think that's, listen to the difference in our tones and our uh, empowerment. I think that's great. I know. Um, Going down with your feet first might help. Yeah. Does that chair feel stable? Yeah. Does that tree feel stable? (laughs) Does that, whatever, does that bench you're climbing on feel stable? Yeah. And then you're right there to catch them, but you're not freaking out about it. And you're communicating something entirely different to them. I think that's great. Yeah. I wish I'd done that. Me too. That's a really, really good list. It's probably my favorite thing we've talked about today. Well, okay. Steve Green had an album called Hide Him in Your Heart that was popular when we were raising our kids, Bonnie. And it was scripture put to music. And we used to sing his version of Psalm 56, 3 and 4 with our kids. It was really, when I went back and listened to it before this podcast, it's really just kind of a mantra. It's just a repetitious melody that would just help you calm down. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sing it for you, <laughs> but I will, I will say it. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. It's really just telling yourself the truth over and over again. It, it's actually really helpful. Yeah, super easy <laughs> to remember. Just goes right back to that whole... Perfect love casts out fear. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Mm -hmm. Because God's got it. I mean, Houston used to go through the house. I'm just remembering this. He used to go through the house singing, um, God is always with you. Mm. And he would just sing it. He was telling himself that over and over and over and over again. God Mm -hmm. is always with you. God is always with you. God is always with you because I heard it in the Bible. That was his song. (laughs) (laughs) It was a master lyricist that Houston. I should have known he was going to be a musician. (laughs) So good. Early signs. But, um, but yeah, we want to, we want our kids to have appropriate measured approaches to things that scare them. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to be conquered or mastered by fear. Yeah. Or any emotion or any emotion. Fear's just one of them. So there you go. So, um, if you would like to do a closing for one of our episodes, we would love to have you participate. We loved the Perry family. They were so awesome. Oh, they were so good. All those boys and those boys are young. Mm -hmm. So don't let that stop you moms. You can record it, um, in different snatches of, of audio and I'll piece it together for you with my mm-hmm. wonderful audio skills. <laughs> so go to our website, just and at the top, click on the get started um, button or kind of tab there. Uh-huh. And that will give you the whole script. It'll tell you what to do. It'll walk you right through it. And then you can just send us the audio files and we'll use it. Yes. Super fun. 
So, and, yeah, so please um, also, this article today will be on justaskyourmom.com uh-huh. and any resources that we've mentioned. And you can follow us on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom and on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. Yes, and please rate our podcast or leave a review if you're listening and like what you hear. And better yet, you can subscribe so you'll get each new Monday episode. If you have questions or topic suggestions, a lot of times we'll use those on the air. So send those to us at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just, Just Ask, Ask Your, Your Mom. Mom.